around our lives to see our communities transformed, our families transformed, our city transformed, this whole world being transformed. A, a global empowerment of the spirit where the mission is being carried out. And so as we study through Acts, I pray that, that the Holy Spirit would move us would move us in such a way that when we come together, we're going to be telling the stories that God is doing amongst us. We're going to be encouraging one another as we're telling each other God's story and how you and I get to be part of that. What a privilege and an honor. So the book of Acts, I'm going to begin by giving some information about it because what we do not want to do is take the book of Acts and rip things apart and try to say, well, this is why we're doing it like this or doing it like this. We're going to enter the book and we're going to be students of God's word. We're going to learn the intent of the author. We're going to learn the historical background. We're going to learn what what's going on around this time. And we're going to take the truths that are being taught there. We're going to learn how to apply the truths from 2,000 years ago to today. So the book of Acts, we know, is written by Luke. Luke now was the same person that when we read the gospel of Luke, is the same guy. He wrote the gospel of Luke, and we also know that he wrote the book of Acts. Luke was also a missionary companion to the Apostle Paul. We know that Luke was a physician. And you already know that Paul needed a physician next to him. I'm talking about this guy would get stoned and beaten and dragged out of the city. Luke was there tending to him. He'll get right back up and go right back in there. Praise be to God, the boldness in him, right? And so this is what we're seeing then, that, that Luke then was a close a companion to the Apostle Paul. But as we're going to be learning, not only was he a co close companion to him, but to some of the other disciples. We know also that Luke must have been written 30 years after Jesus' death. So we see the account of uh, the gospel of Luke and, and Acts. And so we also know that he ends the gospel of Luke with the ascension of Jesus. And we will also see that he's beginning the book of Acts with the ascension of Jesus. We will study that Luke captures not only the history of the early church, but also the mission of the early church. Luke will capture the, the spread of Christianity, how it would overcome the barriers, all kind of barriers to, to family, to culture, to different cities. And we will see how Christianity continued to spread like a wildfire, transforming lives. And we will see how the mission, no matter how much opposition it faced, it couldn't be stopped. It could not be stopped. And that is an encouragement to us because you and I have benefited from that work 2,000 years ago. You and I are believers because of the faithfulness of a few weak men empowered by a mighty God. And so we will see then that the acts of the apostles is what is labeled is actually composed of historical accounts. These were not fabricated stories. This is... Luke carefully investigating and searching, doing his research. And what we see is that he will tell of the story of Peter. 
He would tell of the story of Paul. He would talk about how Jesus prepared the first disciples for this mission. So my prayer is that as the church, Skerusa Grace, that we would be encouraged to live radical lives for Jesus Christ today, that we don't have to wait for tomorrow or we don't have to wait and, and learn about the experiences of the past, but today we can experience the power of God, that we can be unleashed as healthy disciples to go do ministry where life exists, that we don't have to wait for people to come to a geographical location like 1913 Fletcher Street, but that you and I are the disciples of Jesus Christ, and no matter where we go, we are on God's mission. And so, that we can see that you and I are agents of change, bringing about a transformation as representatives of the king, wherever we go to our workplaces or our families or our schools or social gatherings, it doesn't matter because we are the people of God carrying the presence of God with us in the power of God. This is you and I. We should not walk around like defeated people. I'm telling you, the enemy will try to come, steal, kill, and destroy and discourage us. But that's why we gather together to remind ourselves that all our sins have been paid for. That the cross of Calvary speaks loud and clear and his resurrection is a divine declaration that we do not have to work for our salvation. That God purchased it for us. So if he purchased it for us, you and I cannot lose it then. So we're reminding ourselves of this glorious promise. And because of that, that we can go and make disciples that is to fulfill the great commission and so we begin in the book of acts in chapter one and i will be reading from verses one through eleven and this is what the word of the lord says in the first book O theophilus i have dealt with all that jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Verse 4. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit, not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the father has fixed by his own authority. Verse eight. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he has said these things. As they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were with, while they were there gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will Come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Praise be to God. 
And so what we're going to be looking at in this very passage is how Jesus prepared his disciples. Not only was there a preparation of the disciples for this mission, there was a promise from the Father that they would receive. There would be power from the Holy Spirit and the purpose for which they would receive this. And so my prayer is as we study through this that you and I could be the kind of disciples that when the world sees us, they could see what it looks like to love God and love others as we are empowered by his spirit to go and make disciples. Now, what we want to do as we're beginning the letter is, is to grasp this that is very important, that we don't want to read through the book of Acts just flippantly. We, we want to be like Bereans, studying the word of God as students. So we, we do not want to put into the text our own opinion. We want to make sure that we are reading the text within the context of what it was written. The immediate context the, within the narrative itself, the, what the author intended for the audience to understand. And we will consider the historical background with which it was written the grammar, the, the, the style of the writer, because here Luke, I'm t- talking about, he was a very detailed writer. There's a, a part in, in, uh, in the same chapter where he says he's talking in reference to Judas, and he's talking about Judas, the one that betrayed Jesus. He's saying, falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all his bowels gushed out. Like, wow, that's pretty graphic. He's talking about Judas, the way he, he, he killed himself. And he said that everything just gushed out. I wouldn't have described it like that. But him being a physician, was able to be detailed about it. So we're going to see how God uses all that. And as he writes not only the account uh, uh, in, in, uh, in the Gospel of Luke, but also the book of Acts. Now, another thing that we got to consider is why did Luke write the book of Acts? What was his purpose? In here we see in the very first verse, it introduces this to us. He says, in the first book, meaning that there must have been another book apart from this one, which we will uh, soon find out that it was the gospel of Luke. He says, in the first book, O Theophilus, he's writing to somebody. A person named Theophilus. This must have been a real important person for Luke to take his time and write all of this. Now, turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. We there, you can say, Amen, Amen. So Luke chapter 1, and, and so I'm, remember, we're going to use Scripture to interpret Scripture, the Word of God to help us understand what's taking place. Because what has happened in the past is that people go into the book of Acts and they rip it apart and they take things in, out of that to justify what they wanted to say to, so that way they could go do whatever kind of ministry they're wanting to do. And we're like, well, wait, wait a minute. We have to be careful when we're approaching the word of God, handling it with care. So we start in the very beginning, verse 1 of the gospel of Luke. He says, inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative. So a narrative is a spoken or written account of connected events that have taken place. So he says, have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, meaning what took place with Jesus. Just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us. So here Lucas is saying that he interviewed eyewitnesses of Jesus 
his life, death, and resurrection, everything that people have seen, but not only eyewitnesses of it, but the very apostles themselves. So this is what he's going into. He says, they delivered them to us, and it seemed good to me, again, Luke, also having followed all things closely for some time past. So this is telling you something about Luke. He followed it closely. He didn't just rush into it. He's taking his time because he wants to understand what all took place. And then he says, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent who? Theophilus. Do you see who Luke was writing to? Sometimes people try to use this and create something magical out of it. Whoa, slow down. We have to respect what was taking place here. So when Luke was writing this, filled with the Holy Spirit of God, he is writing to Theophilus. And Theophilus, he's calling him most excellent Theophilus. This then can make reference to this must have been a Roman official who had become a convert. Because he says, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. So this guy must have already been taught about Jesus Christ. So he's writing him. This narrative of of who Jesus is and what he has done in an orderly way. And he was being careful. So now we see that, look, when we're reading the word of God, the author himself had an intent. And on top of that, as he's writing these things, as he's writing to them, Luke tells us that he was carefully choosing the sources, making sure that everything was together and in order, and he was interviewing people. The the Gospels are four different accounts of whose life? Of Jesus. Different eyewitness accounts of Jesus' story. It's like if today you go and you witness an, an accident. The cop will interview you, will interview me and somebody else, and we will give different accounts of the same story. We're going to say, from my eyes, this is what I saw, and from their eyes. And so Luke then carefully investigated this. So as we are entering the book of Acts, be reminded that these are historical accounts. Very important because I am telling you, people had ripped apart the text to interpret it into what they wanted to say so that it can justify what they're trying to do. But we have to approach it with reverence. It's the word of God. We have to study it, be diligent in the scriptures. And so what we're seeing then that that, uh, Luke is taking these careful accounts and then he goes on to say, because one one of the things that I don't want us to do is, is see the book of the gospel of Luke as being about Jesus and the book of Acts as being about the apostles or the church. Although we do see that. But both of the books that Luke wrote are about Jesus. The gospel of Luke, the very first book is Jesus' ministry here on earth, which he exercised personally. And the book of Acts, the second book, is Jesus' ministry from heaven at the right hand of the Father, which he exercised through his representatives, which was the church. So this is Jesus' mission here. And we know that because Luke captures it at the very end of the gospel of Luke. 
He ends the gospel with the ascension of Jesus. And he begins the book of Acts with the ascension of Jesus. So now that I said all of that, we, we get into the text. I, I, I had to labor on that because it is important that, that we create a foundation for us by which we will be guided as we're studying the scriptures. So now we see that in the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. To do and teach. So in Luke is Jesus doing and teaching, and in Acts is Jesus continuing to do and to teach. And then he says that after he had, uh, so unto the day that he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit, he didn't ask his disciples, see, they felt like it. He gave them a command through the Holy Spirit. So church, allow that to settle in and in our hearts. He didn't ask us to. It's a command that he gave through the Holy Spirit. And, man, this is so beautiful because you see the presence of the triune God in the very first pages of the book of Acts. Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and soon we're going to see about the promise of the Father. And so now what we're seeing that Jesus was teaching, and then how long was he teaching? It says for 40 days. Verse 3, it says that appearing to them during a, a time of 40 days, teaching them about the kingdom of God. So imagine 40 days of intense teaching and training by Jesus with his disciples. So this is what's going on. So what we're seeing that before they were empowered for the mission, it was important that they understood the word of God, that there was a, a, an understanding of the scriptures, that the spirit of truth would take the truth of Jesus Christ and make it visible to them that they would see that it is glorious and it would stir their affections into action. Now, in the Gospel of Luke, uh, turn with me to chapter 24. So in here, what we see is that we're going to get a, a behind the scenes of Jesus' teaching. This is behind the scenes because remember, Jesus was crucified three days later. What happened? He rose from the dead, right? Death could not stop him. So Jesus didn't just take off. Jesus began to teach his disciples. That tells you something, that what took place here between the resurrection and the ascension was critical. That the teaching that was going to take place was essential. So now, chapter 24, verse 44. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. He said, the five books of the law the minor and major prophets, and the books of wisdom, the Old Testament, that everything was about Jesus. Oh, how essential that our study of theology would lead us to Christology, that we will be Christocentric, that we would dive into the scriptures for the purpose of knowing Jesus. That Jesus is the interpretive key in understanding all of the Bible. This is the teaching that's taking place here. This is not us fabricating something. That is why it's so important for you and I to see that the gospel is central to everything we do. Everything. His life, death, and resurrection, and ascension... And one day he will be coming back. All of that is very important. 
And so what we see then that in the following verse, it says in verse 45, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Jesus removed the blinders to help them understand, to be able to see God's word through the lenses of Jesus Christ. So a a prerequisite for the empowerment was an understanding of the word of God. Oh, how important then it is that we would have a deep and rich understanding of the scriptures and how the spirit of God would take the word of Christ to dwell richly in our hearts. So Bible reading is important. Reading our Bible is important. We wake up and we want to eat, right? Well, some of us, right? Right, brother, in the back, right? Amen. We want to eat. Physically, we're, we're craving food. Now imagine spiritually. What are we feeding? Are we feeding it the word of God or the word of man? It's very important. Jesus established this from the beginning. Reading the word of God. And I'm not saying that, hey, you know what? You're going to have to memorize the whole Bible. Now, if you do, praise be to God. But, man, begin with a, a little crumb of bread. The living bread of God. Where you take it in. And so we see that as we're studying the scriptures, Jesus even told the Pharisees. He says, you search the scriptures thinking that in them you will find everlasting life. But it is these scriptures that bear witness of me. So when we're reading the scriptures, this is what we're doing. We're seeking Christ in all of this. We want to know our Savior more intimately. Now, another thing that we see after he opens their mind to understand the scriptures in verse 46, he says, and thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. Oh, he gave them a course on the gospel, the content of the gospel. He, Jesus is teaching them again the gospel. And then he goes on to say that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed. He's telling them how to call people to repentance and where they can find the forgiveness of sins, which is in the death of Jesus Christ. So we see this here and how they should proclaim the name of Jesus. And he tells them that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed In his name, being identified with Jesus, being witnesses of Jesus to all the nations, not just in Jerusalem, but to all people. Now, turn back with me to Acts. Now we see that in the preparation for the mission, what Jesus had to do. The next thing that we will look at is in verse 4, which is the promise from the Father. Now, while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. And John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. Man. What a promise. Now, Jesus is telling them, he he ordered them to wait. He instructed them to wait for this promise. This promise that was from who? The Father. Turn with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 14. Again, We want to allow scripture to interpret scripture, not take it out of context, not rip it apart into what we wanted to say. No, what is the Bible speaking? What is the Bible telling us today? Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 16. Now, verse 16 says, 
And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another, what does it say? Advocate or helper, right? To be with you forever. Verse 17, even the spirit of what? Of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he dwells with you and will be in you. Oh, man. Let me pause for a moment. Look, in the Old Testament, when the Spirit of God would come, the Spirit of God would not dwell inside of the person and and stay there long. It says that he would rush upon somebody. Let me give you an example. 1 Samuel chapter 11, verse 6 talking about Saul. He says, the spirit of God rushed upon Saul. Then he went off. Chapter uh, 10, verse 6 and 7 says, that the spirit of God came upon him, and then God was with him. But it would just come, the spirit of God would just come upon the the, the disciple, the person of God. He wouldn't stay there long. The same thing we find with with Samson. But here Jesus is saying that the Spirit of God will be in you. And it will not leave you. When the Spirit of God will come in you, your temple, the body, will become its own. This is where you would dwell in. And praise be to God, because what does that tell us? That the presence of God will not leave us. And the power of God will not be emptied. Look at those beautiful, glorious truths for us. And so, then what we're seeing, then when Jesus is telling them about the spirit of truth, look at verse 25. He says, these things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the helper, who? The Holy Spirit. So who is the helper? Not my homie, but the Holy Spirit. God himself will be with man. God himself will be your God. That is the promise of the Father. And he says, whom the Father will send in my name. And he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Man, there's moments where we're ministering to somebody and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit reminds us of this, this, this scripture. And you're like, man, I thought I forgot about that. And all of a sudden he brings it into the arsenal. And there you go, ministering the word of God. Where did that come from? Not from you or from me. Oh, because we're intellectual people. No. The grace of God. The Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit of God working through us. Look at what it says in chapter 16 of John, verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send them to you. Look at verse 13. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. And he will glorify who? Jesus. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The work of the Holy Spirit of God in you and I is to show us more of Jesus. That we will continue to fall deeper in love with Christ. He will unveil the beauty and majesty of Jesus so that we will fall out of love with the world and fall deeper in love with Jesus. That's what's going on. The promise of the Father, a helper, the spirit of truth, a companion that will be with you forever. 
So today, you and I have the Holy Spirit of God within us. Amen. Praise be to God. So now let us turn back to Acts. So as we saw now, the promise of the Father, the next thing that we're going to be looking at is that this promise brings about power. Now let's look. Verse 6. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Man, I'm like, these guys here. <laughs> Jesus is over here talking to them about all this stuff. Hey, Jesus, hey, hold on. Hold on. Can, I'm raising my hand. <laughs> Jesus, uh, uh, hey, hey, can you tell me then when, when God's going to restore uh, our kingdom here? When he's going to restore our people here? Like, still they couldn't capture that the gospel was greater than them, that the kingdom of God was not only for Jews, but for Gentiles. They were still limited in their understanding. So, you know, those of us who struggle as well to get it, it's okay. God is so patient with us. Look at what we see here. Verse 7, he, he said to them, it is not for you to know these times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, the sovereignty of God. Verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. He says, you will receive. This is the very grace of God at work in the people of God for the very purpose of God. That the source of this power is God himself. That the Holy Spirit is the one who will empower the disciples. And he also empowers us today. Today. And we see that the source of this power is not found in man, but in God who raises dead men. And what we see then is that it is God who is empowering this mission. It is not dependent upon our strength, our wisdom, our talent, our gifts, our good looks. It's not. It is the power of God. And this is what we're seeing in the text, that it is the Holy Spirit. And you know why, family? So that at the end of the day, we would not say it was by my hands. Because we could not get far. You see, if it was dependent upon us, it would give us room for pride or it could drive us into condemnation. We could lose focus from the one who gave the command for this mission. We can easily replace Jesus with the mission itself. We could consider the mission to be more important than the sender of the mission. We can easily lose focus and the mission become idolatrous. We can easily allow mission to become our master. And if we are not doing good at missions, our master will be cruel to us. It will remind us that you're not doing good enough. And when we are working our way to perform, to try to impress, then we will feel good about ourselves. And when we look at other people not doing much, we're going to critique and criticize. And when we're not doing good for ourselves, we're going to feel guilty and condemned. That is why it's so very important that, that our allegiance is to Jesus as our master. Because it is through him that we're receiving power. It's not our own strength. We cannot carry out the mission of God effectively. We're dependent upon our own strength. We cannot. We will easily, easily be caught up on methods and lose focus from where the power comes from, which is the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus says, you need to wait. I know some of us that love to do. 
immediately want to do. We say we're wasting time and we're waiting. But if you're waiting in the presence of God, that is not a waste of time. So how essential then it is to be still and know that he is God. And know that he is in control. That he is the one that will carry this. And so the next thing that we will see is the purpose for this power. Why do we receive this power then? This power from the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. This power that we received in families so that we can be witnesses of Jesus Christ. That word witness is where they also get the word for a martyr. And a martyr is one who would die, who would die for the sake of what he's believing. Stephen, which we'll read later, is the first martyr. Got stoned to death for Jesus. He gazed upon the heavens and he saw the glory of Christ, man. And he was convinced that there was life after death. And so the call to follow Jesus is the call to die to self, to die to our comforts, to die to our fleshly desires, to pick up the cross and to follow Jesus and to follow him hard. And that when we go, we will go and make disciples. We will bear witness of who he is no matter where God calls us to. To be a witness of Jesus. And so the purpose of all of this that we're going to be reading through the book of Acts is how weak and feeble men are empowered by a mighty God to carry out the redemptive purposes of God in all the world. And today you and I are recipients of that family. So let us then be willing to submit to the command of Jesus to go and make disciples, to carry out the mission of God in all the world and to see the world turn upside down. And so as Jesus gave then the last of his instructions. We see the ascension of Jesus when he said, to, said these things that were looking on him and he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. Man, what a glorious moment. The disciples are probably just like blown away by everything they're seeing. And so here we see then that as they were gazing into heaven... There was two men that stood by them with white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. In other words, it's time to carry out the mission. So we gather together, not so that we can stay in here and just embrace each other, which is good, but that you and I are empowered by God to carry out the mission of God. You and I are the people of God, and we are carrying the presence of God with us, and we are filled with the power of God. Imagine. To be convinced that you are part of something that is greater than yourself. You will be willing to die for this. But if you and I are not convinced of this, we will quit halfway through. When things get hard, when people don't hear, when other people are not coming to Jesus, when we're seeing spiritual battles, when we're battling our own flesh... We will want to quit, but be reminded that you have the spirit of God, the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead, 
dwells in us. So let us be those radical disciples, family. If they call us crazy, let them call us crazy for Jesus. Imagine what it would look like. Imagine what it would look like if every day we lived in the resurrected power of Christ. Imagine that. Imagine that when God puts you around somebody and all of a sudden he's speaking to you to lay hands on them and pray over them. Imagine if all of a sudden you're with another family member and all of a sudden you begin to share the gospel and they turn from their sins and turn to Christ. Imagine if we see our children coming to Christ. Imagine if we're seeing more men and women who are willing to die for the sake of the gospel. Oh, the world would not know what to do. For the world did not know what to do when we begin to read through the book of Acts. And today, they would not know what to do. We will continue to carry out this mission. The hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads. Father God, we thank you so much that you would choose to use the weak to bring down the strong. That you would choose to use the lowly to bring down those who are in high positions. That you would choose to use weak and feeble people like us to carry out such an important mission with the glorious gospel that we are earthen vessels filled with the treasures of heaven, the glorious gospel of our Jesus. Oh God, we pray today that you would forgive us, oh Lord, if we have put other things before Christ and his mission, that as one brother said, imagine to love Jesus, but to love his mission as well. Let us be about your business, oh God. Let us be so convinced that you would use a people like us to bring about this redemptive purposes here on earth. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So as now, as we do on every time when we gather as God's people, we take a time to reflect upon the word of God, the instructions that were given to us through his scriptures, and to repent of anything that we have put in place of Jesus, anything that we have allowed to become more important to us. Be reminded that, that God is not here waiting with a thunder to, to throw to us. But God the Father is pointing to his son and saying, look at my son's hands. They were pierced through. He suffered on the cross for you. There is no sin that is too great where grace does not abound. So today, family, whatever struggles you have had, I encourage you, bring them to the Lord. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. If your soul has not found rest, but it has been anxiously running, running, running to the, the many things the world would have to offer for us to cope with problems. Today I encourage you, if you run anywhere, it is to Jesus. So come to Christ today. Take this time to reflect. And as you come to Jesus, as you pray, 
you're restored to the Lord, I, I invite you to come to the front. The invitation is to all those who have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who have put their trust and faith in him. This is a special and sacred time. Jesus said, this juice and the bread, it's a reminder of him. So when you come up here, do, do not be reminded of you, be reminded of Jesus. Do, re, do not be reminded of your short failings, be reminded of Jesus' accomplishments. Be reminded of his victory for you and embrace that by faith. So when you come up here and you take the bread, be reminded that Jesus' body was broken. He died for you and I. He lived a perfect life that you and I could never live. So today, the Father, when he sees us, he sees the perfect life of Jesus. Imagine that. Because if you would see our record, oh, he, we would be casted away right now. It is the perfect life of Jesus. And when we think about the juice, nothing magical about the juice. It is symbolic for the blood of Christ. That if you committed any sin today or yesterday, that it has been paid for by Jesus. That if Satan tries to linger this in front of you, you remind them that it's been paid for 2,000 years ago. Sin no longer has dominion over us. The power of sin over our lives has been broken. In Jesus' name. And so today when you come up to the front, let us celebrate the goodness of our God. As it is displayed before us through this meal that we take together. So you may make your way to the front. As you grab the elements, you make your way back to your seats. You can pray with somebody. You can pray by yourself. But I encourage you to pray. You may make your way to the front. Prayers as well. We'll be up here in the front for any prayer.
Santo, poderoso, el gran sol, incomparable, incomparable, poderoso, el gran sol, aleluya, santo, santo, poderoso.
that message now family we leave with this benediction now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ he who calls you is faithful he will surely do it amen family you may go in peace Thank you for coming. As a reminder, if you're part of the children's ministry, next door at 1.30, we're going to have something. We ask that all volunteers please show up, and food is provided for that family. We love you guys. May God bless you all the rest of this week, and we look forward to see you all for home group. Blessings. Yeah, I'm